Welcome to episode six of Getting Hard. We're getting up in there. We're almost to double digits. I'm joined in studio as always by my co-host DJ. How are you doing, DJ? Doing great, Dan. Good evening. It is. It's pretty uh, pretty nice out, actually. It's not too cold as it has been. Yeah, it's, it's been lovely. Lately. Lovely uh, compared to a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yes, yep. Uh, so tonight, we're, we're finally into the, the big show. We're into the good ones. 2007 Kansas City Chiefs. We've talked it up a little bit over the past couple of weeks, haven't we? We have. And if anybody doubts us, I don't, nobody's reached out to me and said they've gone back to watch. Oh, actually, J.A. said that he, he went back and started watching the Cowboys one and how bad it was. But he, felt, he forgot about Odell Beckham Jr., so we can't really trust his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> true too true <laughs> yeah so this this season uh, a lot better i really enjoyed this season i forgot about this one because this was like one of the first ones i ever watched and i really enjoyed this season i don't well, know about you yeah i found actually it was really fun because there was a lot more in every episode yeah and not just that there was more but also it had like a cohesive storyline so there was a lot of information but flowed nicely and it definitely it actually good. made sense which yep. i thought was really helpful yeah. so uh before we get into it uh just a little bit of housekeeping first of all if you guys want to give us any support you can give us uh your support on patreon so that's uh patreon.com backslash the vault studio five bucks a month that's five dollars us so it's like two cups of coffee a month uh keeps a little bit of what wind in the sails or something like that for the studio we we you know keeps us going a little bit and um we'd love the support and we hope to bring more great podcasts for the patreon supporters you're a patreon supporter i'm number one patreon and, supporter and ja has done two great uh interviews and we are in the process of locking up july's at the moment so they're both top quality too really enjoyed them so yeah if you guys want to go and uh, support us that's one way to do it and the other big big thank you is i don't know if you saw on our social media but our friend uh john elliott uh he designed a mate it's the best poster i've ever seen in my life i mean i'm in it but it's so good it's (laughs) it's the best I love it, the poster. So um, It's opposed to promoting this podcast, Getting Hard. Yep, and you will start seeing it. We're going to use the picture as the podcast picture from now on. I've just been sending it to everyone, so... Yep, we're getting it printed Christmas cards. It's going to be... I love it. I love it so much. So thank you to Horsey. And if you guys want to support him or you like that work, um, he runs a business. So he's uh, We Are Four, as in the number four, like spelt, on Facebook and... He does all your graphic design, signage sort of stuff, uh, business cards, those sorts of things. So yeah, Wedding you, invites. I'm pretty sure a lot of our friends' wedding invites and stuff actually yep. was designed by Horsey. Yep. All of Croydon Range's logos and things like that are also designed by Mr. Horsey. Yep. He he does it all. So if you're in the, the need uh, need for any, any work done, he's your guy. You've, you can see what work he's already done just from those couple of examples. So... Um, thank you, Horsey. Yes, big thank you. We love it. We absolutely love it. So with that, I think we'll we'll jump into um, the Kansas City Chiefs. So the 2006 Kansas City Chiefs, they had a, a pretty successful season. Nine and seven, made it to the wild card. They lost to the Colts that year. and Who if, ended up going on to be the champions that year. Yes, yeah, so it's always kind of a bonus if you lose to the eventual champions. I mean, if you're going to lose to anyone, you might as well lose to the people that win it all. Or lose to Peyton Manning in his prime. Uh, yeah. I would accept that. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, now that was uh, Herman Edwards or Herm's second year coaching. Uh, the year before they went ten and four, so he had a pretty good start. So you know they lost Trent Green halfway through that season, which certainly hurt them. And at the end of the season, um, he was uh, traded to the Dolphins. It was, wasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's basically 2006 in a nutshell. Um, we'll cover some of the the drafts and players and stuff later on but um that's 2006 so that kind of leads into this so there were high hopes going yeah. into the season He's well larry two- yeah larry johnson emerged as one of the top running backs in the entire league yep and so they were pretty excited leading into the 2007 season to yep. build on their previous two seasons because they had pretty good records with a decent coaching staff too yep so a lot of high hopes and so i think it was a pretty good choice for this one because this th- that's a little different how they are now given the, uh, as we've spoken on in the past, about the restrictions they have. You don't have a team that's like this where they are a playoff hope. Cleveland might, if they could work everything they've gotten together to make it work, they could certainly make the playoffs this year. But it's Cleveland, <laughs> so let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're going for 1-16. and 16. Oh, 1-15. One 1-16 one one would, would be a 100% improvement. So. <laughs> Yeah, so that's basically the 2006. So that's that's kind of sets the stage for what they were, what their goal was. So, yeah, and I guess in this season as well, we have a new narrator, Mr. Paul Rudd. Yes, which can I be honest? I didn't, I didn't like him as much as Liv Schreiber. Can I be completely honest? Yep. I, it took me till episode three to realize that it was a different narrator, really? even though we talked about it so much. I did not even recognize that it was a different narrator. There's nothing against him. I love him. I like it. he's a fantastic actor. But I like lives um a bit deeper and I don't I don't know if it, it felt different. So I'm 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 happy with Liv being it at the moment. I would have been, I preferred if it was a bit more joking. Like he's a bit more fun. No, he didn't. He banter didn't. thrown in. He didn't. It was all very very serious. No, no, there was there, uh, there was not one time that he made me chuckle. There was chuckles from on screen stuff, but there wasn't. You know, they didn't give him much room to do anything funny. Yeah, no, no, that's why I did. That's why I probably didn't notice, to be honest. But yeah, so that's just one of the updates for the new season. Also, I guess the introduction, there was no random Chiefs in the background. No. It was actual football. Yep. The Kansas City Chiefs in the background and one of the traditional actual Hard Knocks openings, which was sensational. I just love it. Yep, it's a great opening, and they showed some players doing kind of workouts and stuff, which does become a theme with the later ones. That kind of is how all the intros go. They show local stuff, and the the stadium's always in a background shot, and the coach and shots and stuff. So, I, no, I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I was very glad to be into the, the proper hard knocks. So. <laughs> it was a lot easier to watch, to yes, be fair. it was a lot easier. And this one has a lot of characters, which we will get into one of my favorite players shortly, but... <laughs> One of my favorite players from this, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just jump right into the uh, episode guide. So episode one opens with Herm Edwards, head coach, giving a speech about the team that's going to kind of show up, and this is a speech not to the players, obviously, but to all of the. It looks like more than just the coaches because quite a few people. Like in, also, they did administrators, yeah. CEOs, and things. I know that Carl Peterson and stuff was there as well. Yeah, so. exactly. It was yeah, basically. I figured it was most of the organization, most of the higher ups, because I know these these organizations have lots of people. They're huge businesses, but there was there was a a lot more than just coaching staff in there. That's for sure. And basically, he just kind of speaking about what he expects from this year, how you know, what the team's got to do. And then, you know, it was at the end there, it was very coachy. Like he points to the sign and he's like, you know, I'm just going to say to him, 
know your role and do your job. And he repeated it like four times. Yeah. But also I love that they were sitting in like a lecture theater yep. like, yep. like a player would. And they were all looking at him like they were players. And I thought it was pretty funny. Yep. <laughs> no, it was good. So after that, we uh, we then meet Brody and Kelly Croyle. So Brody was the 2006 draft pick. Uh, he's QB. Out of Alabama. Alabama. You, you get that feeling from it very quickly when they're packing it shows them packing their bags for training camp and she asks him uh do you have your hunting dvds <laughs> and he like, goes yep. of course yeah. <laughs> i don't know like i grew up there but i don't remember ever seeing people watch hunting dvds is that like i used to watch i used to skateboard a bit i used to watch skateboarding videos the same thing like you watch that and you're like oh i should go hunting like it's exciting <laughs> but you, you weren't an nfl qb maybe that's just what all the nfl qbs do in alabama they need the hunting dvds it, to survive it could be yeah yeah but basically he has this classic classic soundbite that i want to play we loved it camp should be a breeze after going through all the marriage stuff stressful time on the women folk which translates over to stressful for the groom <laughs> spoiler alert it's, camp's not easier no. <laughs> especially not the way that he plays well, to be fair i'll have no comment about the, the actual statement though no no why I don't disagree with the stressful time for the women folk. I've never called them women folk before, but you know, anyway. No, I'd have, I think I'd have the indentation of a hand in the back of my head. Yep. And then after that, they immediately, this is what we spoke about the theme that almost every Hard Knocks has QB battle. So straight after that, they cut to Damon Hord, and. He's shown working out. He's the only guy in the building. He's working out. As they're dismantling the gym around him. Yep. They're taking it apart because they don't practice in Kansas City. They practice in River Falls, Wisconsin, which is pretty far away. 500 miles away. (laughs) I thought that was kind of strange. And this is the first time he's ever entered camp as a, a starter. You know, obviously there's a battle to go, but he had been indicated you're the starter to start with. And we'll see how camp goes. First time ever, right there. You're straight into the normal theme. QB Q- battle. QB battle. Love it. it doesn't, it doesn't uh, hold back this season. Then we talk about River Falls, Wisconsin, about how they do travel further than any other team. Uh, 500 miles, that's... 800 kilometers. Uh, nice. Well, one mile is 1.6 kilometers-ish. Did you, did you just do that in your head, or did you already write it down? No, that's good. So then we, we find out that... You know, Harmon Edwards, he drove there. He didn't take the plane like all the players do because... They wouldn't let his texters on the plane, obviously. No. So he's shown in his little little office there making himself a sign that it said, Welcome, Welcome to, to training, training camp. camp. And he's like coloring it in and everything. And uh, he, He's pretty proud of it. He was very proud of it. And he, everyone's getting off the team bus and he's waving it around and <laughs> nobody cares. There's... <laughs> was devastating nobody cares at all and he quickly hands it off to two players he's like you hold this you're responsible for that now and they just drop it on the ground yeah i I felt really bad for him because he was so excited that everyone gave him donuts yeah so he tried to pretend like he didn't care about it either but he he spent ages yep (laughs) so wonderful after we get that little introduction to uh well not really an introduction if he's a coach again um we're introduced to one of my all-time favorite players probably would be my favorite player of all time jared allen just a fantastic viking uh i was very glad that he came to the vikings he played his heart out for us he retired as a viking i can't say it enough i love the guy 
they introduce him as being suspended for two games because <laughs> of DUIs. So if you don't know anything about Jared Allen, he did have trouble early on with DUIs. Um, he had several. So, it, of course, they, they introduce him in a bar. But <laughs> him and his friend are talking about they're drinking O'Doul's. Al- alcohol-free beer. Alcohol-free beer. And I'm like, why even put yourself in that situation? Like, Why go to a bar? Could be a habitual addiction as opposed to a chemical addiction, Dan. It could be. It it could be. I don't know. It just seemed strange, but whatever. You know, each their own. And then, it did seem completely out of character that they would go, "Oh, he's he's out for games from drinking and driving," but he's at a bar at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> driving and, to training camp in the yeah. morning. And it's almost like the producer was like, "Hey, you should probably make sure that we know that it's non-alcoholic beer, by the way." And so <laughs> there's this like, "Oh, this is O'Doul's. Well, this is good. It's not bad. It's like beer for." Beer for guys that can't drink beer or something like that. I'm like, okay. It could have been sponsored by our duels. You never know. You never know. Anyway, uh, after that, we're we're then introduced to uh, my my wife's favorite player from this season, uh, Boomer Grigsby. She loves him because he's just a big meathead. A big bull muscle. He's so muscular. He was a backup linebacker. And obviously, he is a smart guy because he realizes I'm probably not going to make the team as a linebacker. So he decides, you know, he's on special teams. He's going to be attempting to transition to fullback, which isn't the first time we've seen that because we had, um, was it Michael Allen? No, we had um, Dalton, um, Dalton uh, yeah. who was a QB that was trying to transition into being a running back. Oh, and yeah. Was he QB? I thought he was a linebacker. Oh, anyway, well, someone reach out. It was time. the the Cowboys, the Cowboys play, the one that dented the um the shoulder pads. Oh yeah, no, that wasn't yeah. Dalton. No, anyway, so yeah, so that we we get introduced to Boomer, and basically that's kind of what they're saying is, hey, here's this guy who probably not gonna make it as a linebacker, so he's gonna he knows they're short on fullbacks, and they're gonna give it a crack. Size wise, there's 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 a lot of similarities between fullbacks and linebackers, and um, you definitely mentally very similar. You know, trust me, as as a former <laughs> linebacker, and uh, I played played alongside many linebackers that you know I've seen them play fullback very well. Uh, uh, Doyle, um, mm-hmm. and there's just something something to being a linebacker. That's Boomer, um, and he's pretty hilarious. But don't forget, too, that, did you see to the 2006 highlights of Boomer Grigsby? He had curly, long hair. Yes, and, and in this, he has a mohawk. Shaved 0.5 sides with like a thick, inch and a half thick mohawk. Yep. Um, Do you reckon he was balding and he just decided to, you know... Could be. Give it a crack. Could be. Yeah, I, I've just went 0.5 all over. <laughs> That's what That was my I thought solution. you were trying to grow the mohawk in the middle. No, I, I had a mohawk for about three months when I was 18. But um, I decided... Angry, angry kid the, graduating um, from military school. Once <laughs> once, once I realized, you know, I got to go get like a corporate job and stuff. I was like, yeah, no, that's got to go. It's got to go. And it's never come back since. <laughs> so, People would be happy. <laughs> she, she liked it, actually. Anyway. So basically, then we are introduced to dorm rooms, and these are proper dorm rooms. This is not a hotel. This is anything because they're practicing at the University of Wisconsin River Falls campus, and basically, every player throughout this season and throughout a couple of seasons, we we everything seniority. They're exactly like college. You know, the second you one more year moves you down a level on the dorm room, and every player 
They want to be down a level because after training all day, the last thing you want to do is walk up a flight of stairs because I don't think this building had an elevator. They never. No, you get to see elevator. a lot of players. I think there was five stories because you get to see people actually walk up like four or five flights of stairs. Yep. So there's a, a bit of action about, oh, I've been here a couple of years. Am I down a level? And Boomer's on the second level and he's excited about that. And I think Jared's on the first level or something, and, you know. It's a great little thing, one of those things. And then they go and they show the rooms where they're twin beds and they're put together and, and the players are talking about how, you know, if you're not careful, you fall in between them and stuff. And these are <laughs> these are proper college dorm rooms. These are not. Yeah. Um, but it's like the king-size bed in Thailand. There's actually, it's like two single beds put together with a sheet on top of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The other key thing that they do during this is this is the first time they kind of mentioned two-a-days. With the previous seasons, they were definitely doing two-a-days. But this season, there was a couple of times where I felt like they were kind of introducing things to people that might not know football. Yeah, I thought they were explaining explaining concepts, explaining um, jargon terms that we use in football. Yes. So if you didn't watch this or don't know two-a-days are, uh, you practice twice a day. You do... Um, a full training session. Full training. Twice a day. And, and at this level too, they do a full... That's a full physical training session twice a day. And then in between, they do strength tape, and conditioning as tape, well. Tape, strength and conditioning, all sorts of things. Like these guys, they make tons of money, but at the same time, they're there. Usually they get Mondays off, and then the rest of the week, they're there every single day, all day, watching tape, working out, doing two a days, hitting all sorts of things. Like it's intense. It is intense. Not as intense as cheerleading camp, but you know, go on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So then we are told, we are introduced to Larry Johnson, the fantastic Larry Johnson, and he's holding out. Um, he's looking for that payday. He just had a, his best season the year before. He wants to get paid more in his position. You can't really blame him. Running backs, they come and go real quick. These and he talks he talks about that. Yep. he's He wants to get paid now because he doesn't know how much longer he's going to be in the yeah. league. And he brings up a couple of names of players that I don't remember, to be honest. And this yep. is like, you know, they only played six years in the league and yep. I'm already up to my third year. Yep. I could be done in three years' time. I need to get paid. Yep. And I think that's completely fair enough. Definitely. And then right after that, we're staying on a running back theme where Priest Holmes is back. Priest Holmes is back after two years away. Oh, he looks fantastic. Was it, fractured, was it a fractured um, neck? Transverse process in his neck yeah. in 2005. Yep. Thought to never play football again because, look, neck injuries, they're really bad when it comes to football, specifically a running back who threatened to Korea. Supposedly, their body goes through like the same as like five car crashes. Yep. That's how much impact they go through. Definitely. And he it looks in shape. He's just, he's so muscular. He's big boy. Anyway, so we kind of get to know him and, you know, he says about why he wants to come back. He feels like he hasn't done enough. Like he's still got stuff left in him and all that. And really fair enough, you know? And he's what, 32, isn't he? Yeah, 31, 32. So he's, mm. he, he, he's not here for the number one job. You can <laughs> tell and he knows it. He's just here to hopefully have another crack. So that we made how many time all pro... Tony Gonzalez, I I don't know how many times he won. He's pro a freak. Bowl, all pro, just I guess we'll we'll go through his entire profile next week, won't we? Next week, he's incredible, incredible player. We we get to know him, but we don't actually see him that much this season. There, there is you see him maybe once an episode, but very very lightly. Um, he has that um that veteran input when the, yep. they need like talking about a rookie, and they have a veteran input about what his opinion is about things, like they did for the Hall of Famers for the last few seasons. Yep. Exactly. So then uh, after that, we're introduced to Kyle Turley, who 
He was once all pro and he's trying to regain the starting position. I think this was his first year at the Chiefs, wasn't it? He had just come to the Chiefs. You know, he's he's a big boy. A he, big, angry offensive tackle. Yeah. He's awesome. He he's very he's very good, he does. And uh we kinda get to know him a little bit and, and we'll we'll see how he goes because they feature him quite a bit. Uh up next we are introduced to the two uh draft picks. Uh, second and third round draft picks. So the first one we're introduced to Turk McBride. Um, he was the second round draft pick and he was taken out of Tennessee. He comes from Camden, New Jersey. He's talking about how rough of an area it is and about how, you know, by the time he was in high school, like X amount of friends had been killed in gang violence. Oh, that's right. He said from, yes. his, from his elementary school class, nine friends had died or something like that. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah. And so you're like instantly like, oh, I want this guy to succeed. Yeah. And then we meet Tank Tyler. And the way we meet him is the coaches are basically making him run because he just cannot get his weight where they need his weight. He's a big boy. And then immediately after that, they continue, they start. And he was um third, third round out of North Carolina State. And they immediately start ragging on him because he can't stay awake during meetings. So they show him <laughs> just falling asleep during meetings and stuff. He's like a gigantic bear. Yep. He's, I really, really like Tank Tyler. <laughs> yep, he's great. And then they show Jared Allen uh, mentoring the rookies because of the fact that he's not going to play the first two games. And he's kind of talking to these two, uh, just kind of saying, giving them, giving them things. He's taking that kind of veteran, veteran-y position and helping out guys, especially given that um, he knows he's on the team. He doesn't need to worry about it. We then meet defensive coordinator Gunther Cunningham. He's... He's a hard ass. He <laughs> is a hard ass. So he was Kansas City's head coach. Yep. Came back. He he left. He got he got canned. He got fired, yeah. Left. And then he came back. Uh loves Kansas City. He says that he just loves it. He's not afraid to yell at all. Or swear. Or swear or tell them what he thinks. But um he does admit that he's getting a bit softer as his career's <laughs> gone on. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I didn't think he looked soft at all, but anyway, uh, there were some moments where he has a laugh and stuff. <laughs> well, he mentioned that he actually now talks to players in between coaching sessions to make them think that he doesn't hate them. Yes, he does mention that. <laughs> and then we are introduced to uh, Dwayne Bowie, the first round pick out of LSU. He's a wide receiver. Um, we're introduced to him because he's holding out. He obviously wasn't okay with the offer they made him in the first place and wanted a little bit more so basically he's he's holding out yeah which isn't actually that rare with rookies like no. look at joey bosa two years ago did the same thing because of his mom yes um yeah but he held out so they could get a better contract from the charges so this actually does happen because each team has their own rights to um obviously signing bonuses and things yes. like that yeah there's like a limit and, and this would be before that too i think i can't remember when the limit came in so people will correct us but i'm pretty sure this was before the new limits which are even, there's even less wiggle room. Whereas back in the day, there was a lot of holdouts like Eli Manning and stuff like that because there was a bit of wiggle room on teams. Whereas now it's very, very close to pretty much if you drafted the first, first, this is what you're getting. So yeah. First, second. Unless you're Mrs. Bosa. Yes. There's just, we, we see some of the players kind of doing some, getting up to some, some antics, kind of lighten the mood a bit, you know, these these training camps are very tense. Everyone's fighting for a job, and you know they're they're just showing that the the players, in between plays and stuff, they're having a bit of fun. We see Larry Johnson. Um, he is working out. 
he's in Phoenix at this really great looking performance center, like athletes performance center Phoenix or something. And he's actually working out with uh, Brady Quinn, the QB, the QB from the Browns, Browns, who is also holding out. So they're they're they look real funny working out together. <laughs> they're very two different bodies, really, aren't they? Yeah, and they're like doing the same sort of stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is this looks weird. And then basically they they get on a bus to go across to Mankato with the Vikings, which is it's about an hour away, and they're gonna hold a joint training session that week with the Vikings, and then the following week the Vikings were gonna come come over to do a joint training session with them. At the end of the episode, one AM, Dwayne Bowie, he arrives at River Falls, the holdout is over, and um, that's basically the first episode. But you know it's funny though, him holding out resulted in him actually not having as many re- like was it like two weeks or something like that he wasn't a training camp or a week or what something the no, coaches spent a lot of time talking about how he wasn't prepared because he held out larry johnson i'm sure it wasn't bo as well because remember he started doing some route trees and he was getting teased by all the veterans which i think we see at the start of the next episode possibly i thought yeah i do i do remember the section where um herm's talking about 200 yeah he's missed out on over 200 reps i thought that was larry johnson but could have been Bowie. They were just so excited when Larry Johnson comes back. (laughs) Yeah, they were very excited. (laughs) All right. So then we jump into episode two. So it actually starts with an in-depth look, pun intended, of the depth chart. So people that don't know what the depth chart is, it's basically it shows the entire team and who is currently first string, second string, and third string. So first string being the starter, second string being the backup, third string being the backup's backup. Uh, So this actually gives like an overall team view of where everyone's sitting at the time which I think we haven't seen that very much in previous episodes, whereas it's a massive theme ongoing in Hard Knocks from this season onwards, Yep, is you can actually see where players are and where the coaches think they are by them changing over the depth chart. Um, so it also, then after the depth chart, it goes straight into uh, McIntosh spraining his knee, not playing for the rest, he won't be playing for the rest of the camp, which isn't great. Um, then we get introduced to a couple of extra players. So number 31, Tyron Brackenridge, yep. um, defensive back, undrafted free agent, um, the coaches, you know, obviously they, they like him. They think he's a hard worker. Um, and then they introduce an, um, immediately another defensive back, um, Dimitri Patterson, who's also an undrafted free agent. And the coaches love how much he tries hard. So they, yep. we think straight away when this comes up, it's going to be a DB battle. Yep, that's basically how they set it up. Because we see battle. everything like a battle. Yep. Yeah, they, they introduce more than one player in a position and we straight away think they're going head to head. Yep. There's only one spot for these people. Uh, then they introduce Justin Medlock, who is the kicker, who was the um, fifth round draft pick. So it was the Chiefs' fifth overall draft pick at pick 160 out of UCLA as a kicker. So they introduce him at this point as well. So he's not kicking straight. And I thought one of the great things from Herm Edwards was he actually makes them continue kicking until yep. he, kick, he actually gets it through. Yep. So instead of him kicking it and screwing up and all the other players getting really upset with him, Herm goes, nah. We're doing it again. I think they do it three times and he gets the last one. And actually, he said he really appreciated that. Yep. And Herm said, yeah, well, because we want to make sure the last rep is a good one. So he remembers that and he doesn't remember the ones he screwed up. Yep, makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was a good way of coaching. Then we get introduced once again to um, Turley, who is number 74, the left, the right tackle. And he gets moved up in the depth chart. Yep. So they put him up to saying, look, as of right now, he's actually vying for... for first seat, so he's vying for starting position, which is pretty good. They show Turley later, not immediately after, playing guitar. So I think something funny, not funny, but something interesting out of this training camp was they had a full music room. 
It was hilarious. And they had uh, the bass guitar going, and then there was a, the drums, drums and everything in there. A bunch of microphones. I it guess we can go into later episodes yeah. where they start playing more, but I guess we saw straight away that uh, in previous episodes, people like playing music, but in this one, they actually had a full music room where Turley got to go and play guitar to relax, yep. and he said he really enjoyed that because of the stress, obviously, at training camp. We jump straight back into the QB battle. They highlight um, the veteran versus rookie stance. So they talk about Damien Heward's experience, even though he hasn't been a starter. He's been a 11-year veteran. Yep. You know, playing under Dan Marino, playing under Tom Brady, yep. playing under Todd Green. And then he comes across and he's actually obviously walks into training camp as the potential starter versus the rookie who they're hoping is the future of the club. They're hoping that Brody Croyle is going to be the starter ongoing. Um, but obviously they talk around the positives and negatives of a rookie versus a veteran. They start testing Brody Croyle a bit more because they know what Hewitt can provide. So they're trying to test Croyle a bit more doing the two-minute drill. People who don't know what two-minute drill is, it's the end of the game, two minutes left. They might give you a timeout or two timeouts and they say march the field and score a touchdown. Yep. So a bit, bit extra pressure, a bit more game simulation kind of stuff. They go next into a running back. Not, I'm not going to say battle because there's going to be battles constantly if we do. Yep. So they go through, like they're focusing running backs. They talk through, there's a bunch of running backs that are on the depth chart. They don't know where any of them are. So there's Michael Bennett, Savion Smith, Derek Ross, Priest Holmes, obviously Larry Johnson, and their, um, their other fifth-round draft pick at number 148, Colby Smith out of Louisville. So they basically put him on the depth chart as well. So there's a lot of running backs. But really, they only keep, what, three? Yes. Um, if you're a special team specialist or whatever else, you might throw in a fourth, but they'd have to have more than just the running back experience. Um, then they move on more around Priest Holmes. They mentioned he's had 22 months of no actual active fitness. He didn't look like it. Oh, that didn't make any sense to me when they explained it because he's a beast. No, he had traps that were like, it looked like he was wearing shoulder pads at all times. I'm like, okay, well, either he jumped immediately onto gear, which is completely possible, or, <laughs> or you know, that makes no sense. Well, yeah, so basically he said, oh, I couldn't do 22 months of no fitness at all. I think he might actually obviously mean like contact fitness, like anything to do with his neck and things. So, because yeah. he was fit. Then they keep showing him obviously chipping away at his getting back to fitness. Gunther Cunningham, the defensive coordinator you mentioned before, my note here is that he's a dry, cold, bitter old man. They talk about the family fun night yeah, they have in a this night, episode. A night where all the family can come watch the practice. So it's it's all the players go out and sign autographs and stuff. And uh, what, what are Gunther's thoughts on this? So he, he just rags on it massively. He says <laughs> that he hates it. He thinks that it is the stupidest thing ever. It makes him feel really uncomfortable. He avoids it like the plague. He yep. says it obviously distracts players. And yep. he, at this point, I'm like, wow, he is angry. So it made me like him more, actually. It was more entertaining to watch. Then they move on. They stay with Cunningham and talk about his focus on his coaching role. And then they bring up that he was fired as the head coach not too like you know a few years ago, and then he's rehired as a defensive coordinator, which he's actually happier about. It sounds like, uh, and then obviously how much coaching means to him and how much he's sac- he actually mentions in the interview how much family time he sacrificed. Yep, and he's like, yeah, my wife and kids are they just know that I put a lot of time into this. Yep, it's like, well, I wonder what they think. But <laughs> that's maybe for next week. So then after this, one of my favorite things of the entire series was. 
Turk and Tank. So Turk McBride and Tank Tyler, the two second and third round draft picks, they are bed roommates. Yes, they're roommates. They are hilarious. They are very funny. They're, they're hilarious throughout. And so the whole time, whenever they focus on them, none of them take anything seriously. No. They they job each other the whole time. Um, but at this point in time, they just focus. They let the, let everyone know that they're roommates and that they are trying to practice and learn the playbook. So they don't go into anything more entertaining just yet. But what, you know, see what follows. They move on then to Dwayne Bowe's press conference. Um, and obviously, because he had come back from holding out, he was put on the PUP, which is the... Physically unable to perform. For one day, uh, which they had to do when he came back before he could pass his physical. During his physical, the coaches say, I hope he hasn't you know, exploded in his weight. So he's up to 225, 230 pounds. And then straight away, they say, ooh, 225 pounds. <laughs> you get to see him then actually start. Like I mentioned, I guess, just before, he starts the wide receiver drills. He's dropping a lot of passes. He doesn't know his routes. He doesn't know the playbook. He's not connecting with the QB, and he's getting really, really tired really quick. It's totally different for him to hold out as opposed to Larry Johnson, who's been with the team for a little while, because he's coming in not knowing the system, not knowing the scheme, not knowing the quarterbacks, nothing, and it shows. Oh, it shows Immediately it shows that him missing out just had a a big difference on, on him, and he only missed at this point... Would have been, week? what, a week or two? Tops? 200, 200 snaps, yeah. I think Herm says. Yeah. Which is, I didn't think it would be that much, really. But when you have a look at everyone else, no one else was exhausted and no. he was just running a few routes. No. Could just be because he was 225 pounds. You never know. I don't know much about what weight the wide receivers should be at. 225 is about 100 kilos. So, depending upon his height, that could be okay or it could be... Dwayne Bowe's a, a big bloke. Yeah. He's yeah. a very tall tall bloke so you know, you know he was built as well so but anyway so then they actually they focus on wide receivers a little bit here they talk about number 18 sammy parker who's also a wide receiver and talking that right now he's the wide receiver three yep that's with bowie on the sidelines yep yeah so they're talking about he's wide receiver three and he has to work really hard to get his spot maurice price is another wide receiver number 17 who actually looked to be doing better than the others at the time he breaks his collarbone straight after they talk about the other wide receivers, which kind of makes it look like that there's a spot for a wide receiver. Yep. Which is introduction to when anyone gets injured and there's no one else as a backup, the, basically the, the club calls out to all the different agents, calls out to all the different, um, I guess, practice squads and all those things to see who's available to come for pr- training. Yeah. I mean, when you look at how many colleges there are and how many guys don't make it to the league there if you lose one guy there's 90 different guys that you can can fill a spot and they just call around to every agent and say who's available and all their intangibles might be identical you, exactly not that you could tell because intangibles don't have measurables <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not argue about this no no so basically this actually gives us an introduction to one of my favorite players right as of right now as yes. of this as yeah. of this yeah. point in that episode uh bobby Scipio. so yep. he's from the he was playing in the arena football league he's been there for a few years and he gets brought in and he's the only bloke kept out of the four or five receivers they brought in for practice yeah they, they really liked him when he came in the other guys i think they said something like they're all good but this guy's standing out well he said like supposedly in his entire practice he didn't drop a pass yep 
And for every single round he ran, he, he might not have been very quick, I think they said, but yeah. he did not drop a single pass. And that's massive when it comes to, say, slot receivers, uh, anyone that you need to actually uh, rely on to catch passes. Uh, so after that, Bobby Scipio gets picked up for, you know, they keep trying out with the rest of the wide receivers. I thought it was random that they just had a, a long, like, I don't know, 30, 40 second close-up of a bunch of cows. Well, they did it in episode five with uh, cicadas. Oh, maybe this is a, maybe it's a theme. I, they, they, I didn't notice that. Yeah, in episode five, there was like a 30 second, and there wasn't Paul Rudd talking during it either. It was just the noise of the cicadas and just a, a cicada sitting there making the noise. I'm like, okay, we're getting a little artsy, are we? Yeah, so they, they, they had this close-up of a bunch of cows, and yeah. then they started getting milked, and then you got to watch people drink fresh milk. Yep. I, I don't know what the purpose of that was, but I found it hilarious. <laughs> it happens. just shows that River Falls obviously love their fresh cow milk. They're drinking it right out of like a machine. So the machine must have been a decurdler or what? I don't know. I'm not a dairy farmer, so not my area of expertise. Uh, then I guess they, after the cows, they have another uh, focus on Boomer Grigsby. So he's number 46. He's a folk hero. And the coaches talk about him being a folk hero. Yeah, yeah. The, the fans love him. They show him... Um there's a little girl who has to have a custom-made jersey because they don't sell his jersey. So she gets his, you know. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, this one's custom-made, and he's like signing stuff. Yeah, it's that's pretty. That's him. pretty yeah. cool. And and he's really fun. He's really charismatic. However, he's not very good in the classroom. No. They show him, I like, guess, sitting in the classroom, and they ask him questions like, "Who are you going to block in this?" And they show up on the TV like a, a play, and he says, "Um," and doesn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, who are you blocking? And he just literally just stares. And it's it's a really awkward minute. <laughs> Imagine sitting in there. Like, that would be so uncomfortable. Yep. But either way, like, he is trying his best, I guess. And if some people aren't great in the tape room and they need a bit of extra support. Now, in this episode, he gets a pop to his ribs. Yeah. So, it's obviously not broken. Cause no. Because it back. But it must have, yeah, I don't know, bruised could have been or something. A, a, yeah, it could have been the only like one of his internal muscles or something. This is two two pieces. Two weeks. Games. He comes yeah. back for the fourth one, but yeah. Yeah, so broken ribs, they take a little while longer than two <laughs> weeks from experience. Longer, yeah. So, and then obviously he's a broken rib. And so then apart from this, he goes out of focus now for a couple of episodes. Yeah, so when he's injured. He's obviously not doing fun things or he's sooking a lot. <laughs> no one likes no one likes a sook when they're injured. So after this, what I found funny was Herm does his own workouts throughout the entire season. I guess one of the things like I noticed was that the start of the first episode, you see him running up and down the stairs. He's in stadium runs or whatever they're called, yeah. Yeah, and then in this episode, he's running on the treadmill. And then obviously every episode, they show like a 15, 20 second clip of him continuing with his exercise routine because he was a cornerback at the Eagles, I believe. Yeah, he was at the Eagles, yep. Um, so he he knows his fitness. No, and he, he looks in shape. He, he yeah. Unlike a lot of coaches, when you look at coaches and when you think of a coach, he still looks like... If he wants to show them how to do it, he's going to go out and show them, and it'll probably still look really good. He could probably play defensive back better yeah. than I could. Probably. He'd probably <laughs> play better than I could, too. And he might do D-line better than me, too. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely no Andy Reid. Uh, so, after this, they actually start... Um, they go have their preseason game against the Browns. At the start of the preseason game preparation, you show Turk and Tank, my two favourites, yes. the D line, D lineman. Yep. They get to sh- have to share a bedroom together at the preseason game, and they go through that Tank snores. Now, this isn't a normal snore. 
No, it's it's a rock the whole dorm room snore. I'm calling it a sleep apnea snore. It's it seemed like that, yes. It is absolutely ridiculous. I had a cameraman stand inside his bedroom overnight and filmed him and then came over and filmed McBride, Turk, and Turk rolls over and goes, See? <laughs> <laughs> the next day you can see that Tank actually had a really good game. Turk had a horrible game. Yep. Obviously, had not slept a wink. So, from the game, the only really big thing that showed in this game was that our mate Murdoch, Medlock, sorry, the kicker, he had a really good kick and put up, you know, Kansas City with what, seven to 10 or whatever it was. So, they were winning. And then he has a short kick off. Yep. Now, the short kick off drops at like, I don't know, the 35 yard line, maybe. Yep. And the Browns run it back for a touchdown. Yep. Can't do that. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. It's the first time we get to see QB3, uh, Casey Printers. We get to see Q- the first, yeah, QB3, Casey Printers. And yep. he gets to obviously take the final quarter and he gets to take the final drive. Now, he makes it to the three-yard line. Yeah. He has like a 70-yard offensive drive in a minute and a half yep. to take it to the three-yard line. And he dr- he basically drops a center QB exchange. And the other team pick it up and they lose. Yep. That happens preseason. Yeah. And then the basically Coach Herm, I don't know about you, but Coach Herm, at the end of a loss, he says, Don't worry, guys. We learned a lot. We'll go through the tape and then we'll, you know, your positional coaches will be able to educate you guys how you go. This is fine. This is building. This is training, education. Literally, it's the most calmest I've ever seen a coach lose. Yeah. I mean, it's preseason, but I feel like this probably how he is during the season too, because I just, you know, he wasn't angry at all. It was okay. No different worries. to any coach I've yeah. ever seen. I mean, it's it's only preseason, but at the same time, you don't want to lose. Like, yeah, it was weird. It yeah. was different. Yep. So that's the end of the episode, and they have an ominous depth chart zoom out. Yep. I felt like there should have been a star wipe or something <laughs> at the end. Uh, episode three, we talk about Lamar Hunt. So he was the owner. Uh, he died. The, he passed away the the season before. Uh, I think it was halfway. I think it was December of the season before. Uh, he passed to cancer. He was 74. And they talk about um, they wore wear patches. They're going to wear patches this year for him. We're introduced to Arrowhead Stadium, which is a fantastic looking stadium. I really Amazing. like the design. Um, the logo is probably a bit old. You know, <laughs> it's real old looking. Um, and then they just talk about how at Arrowhead, I don't remember what they actually said it was, but they, they basically never lose at home. Like they, they, they have the the highest win record at home of any team at that point. It's probably still very close because they haven't been that bad since. They and said it's it's like the epiphany of home field advantage. Yep, definitely. And so we uh, we we see a bit more with QB battle, and then we we are introduced to the assistant QB coach, who you made a note of, uh, Dick Curl. <laughs> and then you just wrote dot 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 lol. <laughs> Uh, anyway. So look, I, I think I um I shared a couple of bottles of wine with um <laughs> my watching of this six, five yeah. hours of hard knocks, yeah. as you might tell from my notes. So I found that very entertaining. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's a good name. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't go Richard, but anyway, Dick Curl. So then we 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 see them working out in the gym workout routine. Like they're they love the gym shots and hard knocks because these these are. They're fucking humongous, these guys. Athletic, like the uh, this athletes, ridiculous. The amount of weights they were doing, and just yeah, very, very impressive to show that the dedication they put in to look like that. Uh, so then we see um, 
tight end Jason Dunn and Tony Gonzalez having a hilarious exchange, which I'll let you read because you love it. What, what, what did <laughs> so what the, Jason Dunn say? So Jason Dunn, who has been Tony Gonzalez's backup for like eight years. Yeah. Yep. So he's been a forever backup. Yep. He So Tony Gonzalez was teasing Dunn about, I can't remember what it was, but Dunn's response was, you're just upset that this is the first camp you haven't held out for. So you have to train the whole time. That's why he's sad. And Gonzalez <laughs> basically said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> But that's hilarious because obviously Gonzalez is someone that would hold out for new contracts because he's a freak. Yeah, and pay him. Yeah. Well, it's obviously, it's good to show that those blokes have such a good relationship. Yeah. Being a perpetual backup would be difficult. Yes. But they seem to do it rather well. Yeah. Well, trickle down banging. Anyway, uh, then we, we, we see uh, Donnie Edwards, the linebacker. He's he's returning to kind of shore up the linebacking corps. They're a little, little weak, they feel, so he's come to help help him out there. And then a couple of players and the coach, Herm, are telling Bowie that he has to go and get Krispy Kreme donuts. And not just that he has to go get them. He only has to get them from a store that it says fresh baked donuts. Hot. They, they hot. When hot. they... At Krispy Kreme, if you haven't been to when they freshly make it, they've got a sign out front that lets you know that they have just come out of the oven. And that's how he wants his Krispy Kreme donuts. And was that a rookie hazing or was that a holdout I think I think that was a bit of both. Because Herm got stuck into him, but so did, is it uh, Kennington, the yeah. other wide, 87, the other wide receiver? Yep. So I don't know whether that was a, a rookie hazing or whether it's because he held out so bad luck. You're going to go and drive even though he hasn't got a car, to go pick up these Krispy Kremes. <laughs> yeah, and none of them knew where Krispy Kreme was around there either because they're not in Kansas City. They're still in River Falls, Wisconsin, which <laughs> I didn't look it up, but I can't imagine there's many Krispy Kremes there. Very entertaining. Might have had to, to drive to the Twin Cities. Uh, so <laughs> then um, we, we see that Bowie's practicing, but he's just not listening to anyone. All the vets are trying to give him advice, and he's he just keeps having to suck about everything. He's just... I just didn't like it. Tony Gonzalez yep. gave him advice around, like I said, catching or running a route or something like that. And he basically gave him nothing. Yeah. And he said, if you're not going to listen to me, then you're on your own and walked off. And they panned to him and he says, oh, veterans trying to tell me what to do. I'm like, uh, hey, mate, yeah, it's, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> Tony Gonzalez, first of all. And second of all, it doesn't matter who it is if they're a veteran telling you what to do. They're, they're trying to help you. They want to win. They know that they're going to have to play with you because you're the number one draft pick. You're going to play. It wasn't inappropriate advice. It wasn't no. like, you know, pull your head in, rookie, or anything like that. It was literal, like, on-field practical advice. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, it made it, me made me dislike Debo. Yep. <laughs> they did always call him Debo, which just reminded me of um next Friday. <laughs> um, <laughs> he doesn't look anything like that. I mean, he's pretty big, but he doesn't look anything like um, Anyway, so, sidebar. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's just not a good look for uh, a guy. And it just kind of shows immaturity because he would have been 21, 22. And that's one of the problems that these guys have coming out of college is they're just young and they get a bunch of money. And, and they, he was they, a first-round draft pick. He was probably held up by all of his peers. And yep. everyone, every man in his dog said how amazing he is forever. Yep. And and some guys, they just come in and they're fine. And then other guys, that this is you see these maturity problems. And that's what I think you're seeing here. A little bit different to Todd Heap. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> then we we see your boy uh, Scipio entering the practice for the first time. Looks good. They're, Catching a lot of balls. Ca- he, he, if there's one thing he can do, he can catch. And then we're we're seeing some of the running back. They're all fighting for spots. They're watching films. The coach is kind of giving them uh, feedback. 
And then after that, we're, we're, we go to, to D-line. It's, it's a boring training. Uh, that's what you've written. So, <laughs> you know, it, it gets a bit boring. It gets repetitive. It's all handwork, a lot of it. It's all handwork. As yeah. D-line, you see them on their knees pushing up pads, yeah. like big heavy pads, and you see them just like um, slapping a bag and yeah. running around and things. I love that uh, Tim Crumry, he's an old defensive end from, I believe, the Cincinnati Bengals, yep. who was an absolute freak. He was awesome. Yeah. So he was a mean, mean dude. He used to he terrify QBs. And then they show footage of him horrifically breaking his leg. Yeah, it was terrible. It, was, it, it was made bad. me feel sick. Look I, it I forgot all about that. Yeah. I didn't remember. And when I watched it, literally, I was like, <laughs> yeah. gross. But he's, well, he's a great coach. But like, I think the funny thing, he had those little hand pads. He had looks makes it look like uh, Mr. Squiggle. <laughs> he was hitting the D Lyman with them. I just thought that was just great. <laughs> and of all the guys, uh, Tank is shown as just Tank is just a tank. He's thriving at this position. He's doing real well. The coaches love him, and he's just playing really well. Uh, they get to head home from training camp, which is I think this was the first time that they got to go home for like the weekend or whatever. Next up, we've got a joint scrimmage with the Vikings, and we see uh, Turley. He's he, you know, the, when it's not your team, there's not you're even more inclined to fight a guy than if it is your team. Which they don't hold back. They show a couple of fights during this season, and mm-hmm. they've shown fights in all the other ones. But in this one, Turley gets in into it with one of the Vikings uh, linemen, and he just starts punching Turley in the face mask, which Turley points out is just dumb. Yeah, which he had showed pretty good restraint, though, because... No, and so they immediately cut to him, and he had had issues in the past, is one of the things he points out. And he says, I wanted to grab him by the face mask, throw him down, jump on him, and choke him out, but I can't. <laughs> and And that's because he's... He's an older player now. He he's understands matured. That, he's that, not allowed to choke people out anymore. No, he can't choke people out. He's, at what point were you allowed to choke people out? At, at some point, Turley did. All I'll I thought say that was great. Because if Turley wanted to choke you out, Turley would choke you out. Oh, he, he's he's a big boy. And he plays guitar and he's charming. So yes, yes. he could choke me out. That's the last scrimmage. They score a touchdown off a, a, dele- a deflected pass. And then we see uh, your, uh, Damon going uh going home and he's showing his age that was one of the things that i thought about it um when when you see him is well, first off he doesn't look like a quarterback i know quarterbacks there's not a prototypical quarterback body because they're not they're a different type of athlete to the rest of the team but man he looks like a car salesman <laughs> he or an insurance salesman <laughs> he looks like he's going home and he's gonna go and door, knock door to door and sell people volcano insurance like <laughs> Looks like an insurance salesman or a car salesman or something. Anyway, he's going home and 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 he he's like I said he shows his age. He's he's a lot more tired than than Brody looks. That's for sure. Oh, in the, in yeah, he obviously didn't have his hunting DVDs with him. <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah. So then they get off the plane. Uh, oh, um, Larry Johnson's still holding out, and they show the staff packing everything up because they're shipping everything back down to Kansas, Kansas City. Um. They get on the plane, and we see some of the uh, players getting off the plane being greeted. So um, there's a funny bit where uh, Boomer gets off, and he's telling another guy about what he expected the NFL to be like. And after he got signed, he got off the plane, and he expected there'd be groupies waiting for him. And he said, nobody even knew who I was. And so I just walked through the airport looking at the ground. like <laughs> He's like, We're, I just expect there'd be groupies everywhere, but there's no groupies. Reporters <laughs> and people wanting to talk to me. Yeah, Damon's 
got his three kids. They come and greet him, and, then, and they're giving him a hug and stuff. And then they immediately cut to uh, Brody Croyle saying, uh, "I told her to be here at like one thirty or something. It's two forty-five, and she's she's late. She only just rolls up then." Like, <laughs> but. I would be having expectations of the wife. Like, you've been married for two weeks yeah. and you've been at, at training camp the whole time. So, look, she came to pick you up. Give her high fives. Well, he doesn't mention to her. Hey, I said he... Well, maybe <laughs> the second the cameras were off and he was in the car, he mentioned to her. But, yeah. Um, and then we see uh, Donnie Edwards, him and his wife, they're going to uh, their apartment that they're having completely renovated and they show for like five minutes talking them, them talking about the knobs on the kitchen cabinets and he's sitting there like i don't care where the knobs are and his <laughs> wife and i assume it's the designer or something are like no no the knob it's placement really is important. really in placement and she's like if you put it down in the corner it the whole kitchen will be thrown off like it has to be where it is and all this he looks like i felt and he's just sitting there like hands in the pocket just like i don't care where the knobs are like how much is this costing me like are we paying this lady by the hour like <laughs> And it's a, it's a nice uh, you don't it's not done but it has a really nice view they can see the stadium from it which that's is, true yeah, yeah you can see Arrowhead cool. from it which he is the one thing he actually goes oh that's really cool yeah <laughs> whereas the knobs the knob conversation <laughs> was actually ridiculous yeah uh, so then the next uh, preseason game we are off to see the uh, the Dolphins game Boomers out again with the injury that he had he's shown kind of really wanting to play but the staff just no you're not risking it uh, they face the old QB. Yep, Trent Green was. That's where he went. They show some of the coaches going over and saying hello to Trent, and you know, shaking hands and all that sort of stuff. It's a small league, so I think, you, I think Carl guys. Peterson, the the GM, actually says, "Look, you know, in a few years' time, when you're done, give us a call." Yeah, and he points up to the obviously where the admin place is. You know, there's a place for you up there, and well, that's pretty nice, really. Yeah, I, I wish. Obviously, no bad blood. Yeah, wonder if if he did end up going there. Look him up on LinkedIn. Find out next week. <laughs> Damon struggles. He he doesn't look good in this one, and I think it's it looks a lot like the fitness issue, the the age issue is what what it is, and he's he's and also he's been a backup for ages. But no um, one purchased his volcano insurance, obviously, no, so he's just a bit just depressed. Terrible week at the volcano <laughs> insurance company. So they put in Brody, um, which was probably always the plan. It's not because he's struggling; like yeah, you, you play all your guys, and. Croyle plays really well. Like when, when I was watching him at that point, I'm like, oh, this is looking good. And then 10 seconds later, he throws a pick. Yeah. And then he threw he a bunch th- of picks later. He threw a pick. He threw three picks this game. Like, but at the same time, it's only his second year and this preseason mistakes are made. Sometimes it's good to get these things worked out now. That's the point of preseason. Yeah. Like I guess I mentioned they like his uh, arm power. Yep. So his decision making has a lot obviously be left to be desired, but his arm power was quite good. Yep. So they can see that they can actually work with it, which is um, good. They're on a fantastic drive. Really good. They're they're driving. They're only down by one point at this point. And Derek Ross gets a perfect handoff. He goes he he was probably what, ten yards at that point, and three dolphins tackle him and the classic move that you would have been taught and I was taught as a linebacker if Two guys are already tackling a guy, and he's not going anywhere. And you're the third guy in. Go for the ball. That's yeah. what that's what you always do. Is the second it looks like he's not going down straight away, but he's not moving. You're trying Get to that strip ball. that ball, and the dude does the classic: put his hand over the ball, and he pulls as hard as he can, and it just pops right out. And they take him back for touchdown. And yep, and so they lose eleven to ten, and the the coaches just point out and. This is something that Derek has struggled with. He struggled with the year before with fumbles. Mm. And then we see Larry Johnson. 
uh, he he flies into Kansas in your, Kansas City, and you're like, "Ooh, is he back? Is he back?" And then he immediately tells them, "I'm just here to change clothes." <laughs> I've been in Arizona for two weeks. I, <laughs> I got to change my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, "Okay, no worries." So then we have the kicking coach. This is when he goes into Herm's Herm's office and he says, I just got a call last night or this morning from an agent for some kicker. And he said, I heard you guys are bringing kickers in. Are we bringing kickers in? And he's very concerned because Justin did struggle on this too. Sorry, I didn't, didn't mention that. He struggled. Uh, he missed two. Missed two and got one, I think. Of two and goals. got one. And so had he not missed those, they would have won. The, the kicking coach is just... He's really worked up about this. He's like, you don't need to bring in competition for him. He's got the competition inside. He doesn't need outside. <laughs> All this stuff, he's getting real worked up. And Herm doesn't even take his feet off of his desk. He's like basically laughing. And he's just like, we're not bringing in kickers. Yeah. He's a kicker coach. Relax. Yeah. He's smiling and he's like laughing at how obsessed this as special teams coach is about yeah. um, Justin Metlock. And Justin Metlock goes, we picked him up in the fifth round. What are you doing? And Herm's like... Chill, yo. <laughs> <laughs> We're not bringing in kickers. Like he's an easy yeah. kicker. We finally work out the kinks with Larry Johnson. Uh, he comes in to sign his contract, and he comes in like, "Let's go." Of everything about what his whole holdout, this part was good. He came in and he was like, "I want to get changed right now. Let's go." Signed the contract and ran yeah. from the GM's office to the change rooms. Yep. So this contract that he held out for, uh, it was going to run through to 2012 and included $19 million guaranteed with a $12 million signing bonus and $7 million in guaranteed salary. So uh, not bad. The total value was $43.2 million. Probably a good holdout. Running there. back deal? That's Running back good. deals, that's great. That's pretty good. We end the episode on Johnson coming in and catching just a flare pass off to the side and nobody attempts to tackle him like... Yeah, they tried to like looked like they were showing how they much kinda, of an amazing running back yeah. he was, and so he got the ball and ran all the way for a touchdown. But you see, like, not a single defensive player chased him. So it's more cinema, cinema, cinematographic. No. Cinematography, cinematography. Cin- yeah. Yep. 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 That one. <clears throat> all right. So that's episode three. Cool. Episode four. Yeah. So as you guys can tell, as well, is that there's a lot in these episodes. As yes, well. yeah. So bear with this because it might seem like there's a lot, but we don't want to miss any of the storylines because they're pretty good storylines. No. So yep. epi- I'll try to go through episode four with the, some of the main stats. So straight away, we start with the first cut that we get to see was wide receiver Titus Ryan. We know nothing about this bloke. We haven't been introduced to him at all. No. Nope. So he gets cut by Ray Farmer. Yes. Now, Ray Farmer, a bit of history. So he played for the Eagles as a linebacker. Um, and look, he's a pretty good linebacker and gets cut in 1998. Now, he is the Turk. Yes, he's the... Yeah, they don't call him it in this one, but um, yeah, he's the Turk. He's the director of player uh, player personnel, it was. Yep. Yeah, so I guess what was interesting was he did the cutting, not the coach, not the GM. Yep. No one had a discussion with the players except for Ray Farmer. Yeah, Ray was did it all. So I felt like it was very apersonal. Like it wasn't very personal with the players. So you get to see him go and he goes through the importance of playbooks... And obviously, in everyone, anytime Ray Farmer walks past, they all get worried. Yep. It's like they say he's actually, he actually is the Grim Reaper. Yeah, that's what they, they call him. There's no, hey, come and talk to the coaches. Hey, come talk to Ray, which is pretty scary. Yep. They mention here that they have to go from 88, episode four, they have to go from 88 players to 75. So that's 13 players had to get cut basically yep. in this episode. You don't get to see many of them, though, to be honest. It was 35 degrees Celsius. 
as you converted for me. Thank you. Yeah, you had uh, 95 and then question mark, question mark. So I thought, oh, maybe he wants to know what that is. I did. I didn't have time to convert the Fahrenheit. So thank you, Dan. So 35 degrees Celsius, uh, and which obviously shows everyone struggling with the heat. Now, I've played football games in 35 degree heat, um, specifically as a junior, and it's ridiculous. You're wearing a helmet, pads, running around hitting people. It's just, it's not fun. Not fun at all. No. So I can understand why they're all completely, really struggling with the heat. After they go through the heat thing, they focus on the QBs again. They mentioned that Coriel's arm power, like I said before, is one of the things that they really like about him. They hope that he makes better decisions later. Uh, Damon injured his calf, and so he actually isn't, he's not starting, he's not running reps, and he's not going to be in the next preseason game, they're thinking at this point. Basically, after this, they go back with our two defensive backs, Brackenridge and Patterson. And Paul Rudd, the comment, the narrator, says they're fighting for the last defensive back spot. He says this. Yes, he does. So it makes all of us think that there's only one spot left. Yep. Yeah, so keep that in mind. So these two blokes are fighting against each other. A real battle. After this, they say, obviously, Brackenridge made a, had had injury during the last game. He tore his bicep. Yeah, trying to make a tackle. Yeah. Tore his bicep. How do you train? How do you play? How do you lift things with a torn bicep? Like that is actually looks ridiculous. I don't know how he does that. But he really wants the spot and the coaches really give him praises for how hard he's trying for that. Yep. Uh, this is the first time as well, straight after this, that we get introduced to a kick returner by the name of Justin Finnessy. So he's a punt returner and he makes one of our few uh, audio files, which is hilarious. He explains what punt returning is. Punt return. But really, it's just concentration, and uh, uh, I don't know if we can say this on camera, but how big your balls are. So that's what punt returning is: concentrating and how big your balls are. Which makes sense. Does he mean like footballs? Yes. Because it'd be difficult to catch a really little football, as opposed to really. I, I think that's what he means. Yep. Which is hard to talk in front of cameras because you know that would obviously be confusing for people. So look, fantasy was good. Like you could see, he was a competitor, and when he did get the ball, he actually looked. Dangerous. He looked explosive. After this, they go through Boomer because he's finally getting to play a preseason game, which is great. So we get to go and see how he goes in the next preseason game. He's really excited because he can't wait to hit people, which is I love a bloke that likes to hit. Larry Johnson, after he's re-signed, has been told he's not playing in the third preseason game. He's not 100% yet with obviously his fitness and his knowledge of the playbook. And they move on to Priest Holmes. This is pretty funny. So Priest Holmes, the coaches are talking about him. And the offensive running back coach says, Priest Holmes told me... No, no, was, it was Dick Vermel who said it. Priest Holmes... Yeah, it was former head coach Dick Vermel. Oh. He'd obviously come in to visit and yeah, Priest... Yeah, so Dick Vermel, he said... Priest. They spoke to Priest and he said, hey, how are you? Whereabouts are you? And he said, I am 82% ready. And coach says, you know what? And I know Priest Holmes. So I'm 100% sure he is 82% ready. <laughs> yep. Like, who comes up with that number? 82%. But look, maybe he just has a really good robotic understanding of his body. Yep. After this, there's more cuts with Ray Farmer doing all the cuts, like I mentioned. So we obviously get down from 88 to 75 before the next preseason game. Uh, Bowie, Dwayne Bowe is now actually, he's a bit more in focus. They show that he's struggling with the playbook. He's behind. He's not connecting with the QBs. And he's talking about the older guys trying to give him advice still. And is it is this episode, isn't it, that he gets he gets taped to the goalpost? Believe it was, yeah, yeah. So he gets taped to the goalpost, and they throw water and Gatorade on him, and he looks really hard about it as well. Yeah, he's like complaining, he can't feel his arm and stuff. I'm like, just take it. <laughs> like, it's 
rookie hazing. That's what happens. Like, also, he held out. Like, everyone in the club's probably going to be upset. We understand why, but everyone at the club, they have been doing two, two weeks of two days before he got there. So, you can understand why they'd want to have a little bit of fun hazing with him. I Look, I really don't like him at this point because he's a massive sook. Yep. Oh, his future career, I like him a lot. Rod Gardner. Now, people that don't know Rod Gardner, he is a wide receiver. He's a veteran wide receiver. He's been in the league, what, seven years? At eight the, years yeah, at that point? Was, I think it was 99 he was drafted. Yeah, so they bring him in at this point and they explain how much of a good career he's got, how much of a great head he has. So great veteran to be able to teach Dwayne Bow and other people. And and they see Dwayne Bow and him catching a ride together and they're talking around plays and things like that. Next scene, cut. Yep. They bring him in after explaining how good he is and how much, how beneficial he is to the team. And they bring him in and they cut him. <laughs> and he can, I took me by surprise. And then what I found interesting was he got told his personality was an issue. Which is, it caught me so off guard. Because like you say, like seconds before that, the coaches were talking about how great he is. How good he is when the veteran, he's a veteran, he gets to bring a lot of experience to the other players. He's, you know, he's a good head in the in the locker room. And they say that you make people uneasy and it's your personality. And he didn't take it very well. He was, I think that it was a shock to him. No, that's kind of understandable because one of the things that Farmer does when he cuts the guys is he, he, he was very upfront with everyone about what they did wrong and what they could work on. And obviously, Gardner felt, oh, this isn't like a football issue, really. This is... Well, he said that. It's a personality yeah. issue. So... And so that, what's funny, though, after he says that, Ray Farmer says, so you know how it is when people get injured uh, and we need someone else, would you be willing to come back if we gave you a call? And he straight away looked at him and said, nah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Understandable. Which, completely understandable. But look, you never know. It's the same things. Media cameras they must have just shown us the good things you never know he might have been a dick or maybe ray farmer had the wrong rap sheet yep and he's reading someone else's cutting rap sheet never know so next they they actually highlight bobby scipio my wide receiver man from marina football so he works out that he's actually dwayne bow's cousin yeah what are the odds like his actual cousin and you know this for like 10 minutes i didn't know whether he meant like they were actually relatives or whether he was like bonding with him because they went to school together or something like that. But no, no, actual cousins. Yep. So family cousins. Blood related. Yeah. Which was great because they talk about that a little bit. Uh, they move on there to D-line discussions with Tank and Turk again. They talk about Tank's sleeping during meetings again. They literally highlight multiple times where he's staring at the screen and then passes out. Yep. Constantly. And they all tease him. So for me, he has sleep apnea. Yeah. He has a sleeping disorder. Yeah. And they're all teasing him about it. <laughs> Imagine how good a football he could have been if he was sleeping properly. Might not have made a difference. So after this, I think it was interesting that there's a, a prized parking spot out the front of the Arrowhead Stadium. Yep. And he, the old player who had it was an old veteran. And Gonzalez is talking to Carl Peterson, the GM, saying, you know, he's gone now. So do I get it? Because I'm not the next veteran. And he said, no. You pay for it. That money goes to charity. And he said, ah, oh, I'll uh, I'll pay you 100 bucks." And Carl Peterson laughed at him. And he said, I signed your contract. Like, <laughs> you could afford more than 100 bucks, you tight bugger. Um, which I thought this was a good segue into 
Carl Peterson, the, the the GM, actually trying to go and get charitable donations for um. It was to, a local football club, and uh, I forget where it was. Some it was somewhere in northern Kansas. They got just completely demolished by an F five tornado, which is not the worst type of tornado. And yeah. so, so he's trying to raise money for charity, which I guess a lot of the things they do is for charity. Which you know, Tony Gonzalez's hundred dollars might not have went too far. But he actually went for a luncheon with President George Bush Jr. Yep. You know, The Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar being his favorite book, George Bush Jr. Uh, and <laughs> so he basically asks George Bush to provide, you know, a donation. Oh, it's even better. What he says Gave is... Gave him a hat. He gives them the hat that they showed just, just seconds before that, all the different players wearing it and stuff. And it's from this local football team. And so he gives it to Bush and he says, oh, you know, this is... He explains the situation that they lost their whole stadium. They lost everything. And would you mind putting this hat on when we can get a photo or whatever? And so he gives it to Bush and Bush puts it on. And he goes, oh, now that you've got it on, uh, how much are you willing to pay for it? Yeah. And Bush like kind of has a laugh and he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, how much you want to pay for it? Because all the money that you pay for it will go is going towards the club. Like, how much are you going to pay for it? <laughs> charity mug. It's, it's chugging. <laughs> he chugged him. He charity yeah. mugged him. Yeah. And Bush like laughs it off again. He says it one more time. And then Bush goes, oh, I'm sure we can sort it out. And then I don't, I didn't recognize him. Um, but the guy sitting next to him made some joke like, yeah. oh, I'm sure he's good for it or something. Because yeah. if you don't know, Bush used to own the Texas Rangers and yeah. stuff. Like, I'm sure he's good for it. Yes. I'd say he has a little bit of money behind it. But you're yeah, very entertaining. Uh, not my favorite president, I must admit. Okay. So, oh, after this, I guess at this point, it was getting late in the night when I was doing my uh, my notes and my watching. And basically, you get introduced to Tony Gonzalez's wife. Yes. Second wife. Second wife. October Gonzalez. She is, I think from my note, stupid hot. She said stupid hot. October Gonzalez. Wowzer. Yes, I'd highly suggest that that's probably meaning that she is a lovely woman. She has yeah. a great personality. Yep. Um, she's walking around with his three kids, so pretty, you know, obviously yeah. has a good mothering role. Um, but look, she's an absolute glamour. Um, and yeah, and that's his second wife. So he also had a, obviously had a first wife with kids to her as well. Yep. So we can go through his history next week. But yeah, I made a note of that because it was ridiculous. Third preseason game starts against the Saints. So our mate Damon, the QB, wasn't playing because he was injured. Larry Johnson wasn't playing. Now they go, they highlight that the defense had a great start. So they, the D-backs were doing great. The D-line were doing great. They got lots of three and outs. Uh, however, the O had a bad start and Croyle was getting sacked left, right and center. Oh, yeah. He was getting eaten. He yep. was making bad decisions, was rolling out of the pocket and getting hit. Things that he shouldn't have been doing. And they lost the game 30-7. to So third preseason game in a row lost. Now, probably a good note is our mate, QB3, Casey Printers, has had the fourth quarter duty in each game. Yep. First two games, he had possible game-winning drives at the end. And this is the first game he didn't have a game-winning drive, but they showed that he made some really good downfield passes and he actually made lots of broken tackles and went and ran his own yard. So he actually, I think he actually had a few tickets on himself. Yep. So he thinks he's pretty good at this point. After this, like once again, Coach Herm... His end-of-game discussion is so calm for a coach that just lost their third preseason game. He's really positive, really con- really constructive. Uh, I love this man at this point. I, don't, I, you know, I didn't actually know who he was before this. No. I've seen him on all those talk shows and all the pre-games and all those um, sports talks, and I didn't know who he was. Yeah, because after this, he, got, he, went, he coaches at Arizona State now. So mm. you're, you're like me. You don't really watch much college, do you? No. Yeah. Apart from the Trojans. 
Well, there you go. Our main Darnold. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so basically, I did know who this bloke was, and I really love him. He's my favourite coach now of all time. Apart from McAdoo, obviously. Obviously. So after this, they mentioned that the QB decision has to be made for the team. They announced Damon Heward as the starter. So they name him the starter, even though he's injured, and they say that he's going to be the man until Croyle beats him for that position. Then Croyle's interviewed at his home about how he feels about it. Uh, He's like, oh, it's fine. We've got a good relationship. I expect not to be playing in this. I mentioned that his wife compared to early on is now dolled up wearing yes. a lot of makeup wearing revealing clothing yeah which is something we spoke about and we figure it's because this show has a quick turnaround what what you see on it is what happened the week before yeah so, so you get to watch the week before she's probably seen herself earlier and been like well i'm gonna change the way i look for later because there's a very noticeable difference like you say and yeah so she was miss mississippi and things so you know she's obviously knows how it feels like to be on a stage on stage and with obviously people looking at her and look she looks attractive yes um i wouldn't be watching hunting dvds at home would be my suggestion so after this drummond gets signed And he has to hack a pee test for drugs. Yep. Basically, on arrival. Now, he goes, oh, I already went to the restroom, so I, I can't do it. They show, like, they spent 10 minutes of an episode showing him drink, was it six he bottles of six water? six bottles of water in 15 minutes, like, real time. Like, they didn't show it 15 minutes, but, like... They, they showed bo- bottle one, yeah. bottle two, bottle uh, three. They yeah. had that up in little name plates. Yeah. Before which, he could pee. Before he could pee, which he passed, thankfully. Yes. Uh, but that's the end of episode four. So this season is only five episodes. Yep. So episode five um, starts off, there's only four days until the final cuts to get down to the 53. At this point, they were at what, 77, I think it was? 75, yeah. 77. 75. Yep. We see the coaches uh, going through uh, the fi- what will be the final depth chart. And we'll see that throughout the episode, them like just really struggling. Because it gets, it gets hard once you get down to the last couple guys. And um, they're just going to struggle throughout that uh drummond was brought in as a punt returner um sort of guy and so we've got a battle on our hand another a punt return battle boom 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 battle um <laughs> i should have made something ne- i'm gonna make a bumper for next week nice anyway uh so it's finisi versus drummond and they kind of introduce it a little bit and um finisi says basically i'm not worried like i'm just gonna do my job and that's all I can do. So at this point, he's hoping for a punt return in the next game. So he's hoping that there's a punt in the next game that he can return. He says, all I need to do is get a return and just show what I can do. So then they kind of talk about how the training camp can get quite monotonous and players will do anything they can to break it up. And so they show four players sitting around in the locker room, just joking around with each other, not really... They're talking about something. I can't even remember what they're talking about. Yeah, and they're all pretty stressed because of these cuts coming. Yeah. And these were four players that uh, of a couple of them I recognized were like on the edge sort of guys. Yeah. And out of nowhere, I, I didn't recognize who it was. Did you? Could you tell at all who it was? From the pixelated image? No. It was no. a little skinny white fella. Some little skinny white fella goes running past butt naked in front of the camera so he does a nudie run he's complete nude run straight in front and they're all just laughing and i can tell you from the body makeup it wasn't boomer no it definitely was not boomer he was not wide enough (laughs) well that was rather funny uh then they show all the coaches kind of sitting around and and this this is why you love herm herm is just down to earth and he's 
He's talking about uh, tight end number 47. He's upset at practice because uh, the two starters, they, they don't take many snaps, Gonzalez and um, Jason Dunn. Yeah. Jason Dunn, they don't take a lot of snaps, but they've already earned their places. So, of course, they don't take many. And uh, 47's real upset about it. And then uh, he's complaining about when when Gonzalez or Dunn miss passes, it's fine. The coach doesn't really care, you know, work on this, et cetera. But if he drops a pass, he gets chewed out for it constantly, and he's taking all the snaps, and yep. so he's got like you know, a hundred more snaps to the others. So there's going to be a hundred more opportunities to misapply, you know, yep. miss anything like that, and he knows that he's not starting. No. <laughs> so they kind of show him, kind of not really making fun of him, but kind of pointing out with the tight end coach, like Herm was really good about it. Yeah, yeah, and he's just kind of pointing out to the tight end coach that no, this is why he's upset, and just. Poking fun sort of thing. Yeah. It's the last scrimmage prior to the final uh, cuts. The defensive coordinator was a Gunther. Uh, he's, he has a, a rant. He lots of babes, just all babes. You've put a Doyle-like rant, so if you've ever played with us and you're listening, uh, you'll know what we mean. If you don't, it's just a lot of swearing, a lot of you know kick their ass sort of thing, and just very get you hyped up. And this is how he's just, because like we've said before, he's... yeah. He's a very angry. So the four the four letter exploit the four letter expletive starting with F and ending in uck. Yeah. Basically gets used as a verb, a pronoun, a noun, <laughs> a term of endearment. Um but so literally the entire warm up, the entire like chat before the game is just bleep, 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 bleep. Yep. Reminded of us of our man Mark Doyle. Yep. Uh and then next they have a lunch they show a luncheon that the team is having with uh main boosters. So if you don't know what boosters are, they're a bit more important in college and high school. Uh, but basically, a booster is like a very well-off, rich person or a corporation that kind of gives money to the team. Uh, in college, it's like alumni. Um, they're sponsors, basically. Yeah, they basically sponsor the team. In this case, the boosters would probably be all the sweet holders is what it would be. That sort of thing. Because the, the sweets at these, at these are just insanely expensive. Uh, so basically, they go, go up to... Um, go have lunch with them and they kind of point out some things. I've got a screen and they've got uh, Bernard Pollard, which I actually forgot to mention in episode one. There's this funny bit where they're all kind of blown off steam in the locker room and they're all dancing and uh, Pollard gets up and he's twerking. He is working it and he's like all in skin tight clothes and they're, He's just twerking and stuff, and then out of nowhere, he just slips right into the splits. He does a full split and twerks at the bottom of his splits. It was really impressive, and he bounces up and down, and I was like, well, I've seen that at some sorts of clubs before. Oh, have you? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Don't don't ask my wife. I don't know if I've ever been to one of those clubs. <laughs> Is that glitter on your face? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, the GM, Peterson, and Herm, they're sitting there for the final game, and they're going over the the seating chart for the plane <laughs> and they're just having a laugh at Larry Johnson's expense because he's not quite veteran enough to get in first class because first class was based along ye- on years of service and Larry Johnson's only been there what three years yep so he's just off I think he's one or two rows back but he's not close enough and then Peterson says like his assistant or something is not coming so he could sit next to me if he wants to and yeah. he just signed like- this ridiculous <laughs> contract and he's not going into first class oh. He'll have to sit in the, the back with everyone else. Uh, <laughs> so we see uh, Boomer. Boomer's up. He's getting the start, but it's this battle between him and Harris. Um, and then once again, we're touching on your guy, Scipio. 
he's on the brink. They mentioned again about how he just needs a return to prove what he can do. That's yeah. all he needs. Fantasy. Yep. Then we are looking at Patterson versus Brackenridge for that last DB spot again. Emphasis on the last DB last spot. Last DB spot. Really makes you feel for them because you both you like them both. They're hard workers. Um, they both have a lot of heart. They yes. both listen and they know their role, which yes. is really good to see. I, I think mentioned earlier, they can both play nickel and cornerback early on already, yep. which is really good for a rookie court, um, defensive back. I'm personally looking forward to next week to talk about uh, Brackenridge, but we won't say why. Mm. But I am re- just just keep in your mind Brackenridge because I am looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, so the last preseason games against St. Louis Rams, we see uh, starting Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick's in the game. We've got Herm saying to the umpires that after this game, he's got to cut 22 guys, and it's rough. That's hard. Um, I thought it was interesting because we normally not, don't know how many players are to be cut at any one point in time. No. Patterson screws up. Uh, I can't remember. What, what did it, how did he screw up again? Uh, so, uh, he basically missed a couple of coverages. He missed three oh, coverages. Yeah, allowing a touchdown. Allowing a touchdown. Allowing two big first downs. And he kind of talks back to the D-backs coach a little bit, kind of saying, I don't understand how I'm supposed to get into that gap. And the D-backs coach is just yelling at him. And he does it like two or three times, kind of like... Each time a little bit softer with the way that he's like, no, I don't. And then finally he's like, no, it's fine. Okay, whatever. And he just yeah, he stops. just actually <laughs> says, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, because he actually was calling out in the huddle. He was like, what? What's the play? What's the play? What's the play? And then you yeah. see he goes and they catch a touchdown on him. Yeah. So he was trying to ask, but at this point, final game of preseason, you should know. Yep. Definitely. He's an NFL footballer, or maybe soon to be. He should know that. So then we see Scipio again, and he once again, I'm pretty sure he catches every pass thrown at him again. He's hands on this guy great hands he's an amazing slot receiver really yep. like I think in arena he wasn't a slot no because they're not as fast but he's not as quick as the others but god he was making like actual catches that were 50-50s yep and then Finesi he all he needs is one punt he just needs one punt return it's like the last couple of plays of the game there's finally a punt this is the first punt in the game he doesn't call the the announcers are like, oh, is he going to call a fair catch here? And the other announcer goes, not a chance in a hell. Because <laughs> they all know because, that he because yeah. they've watched Hard Knocks as well. They all know yeah. that he's waiting for this punt return to prove himself. They show the punt from the <laughs> sideline. He's looking in the air. Definitely hasn't called for the fair catch. No, and you're like, hell. come on, come on, come on. There's no one there. There's just him. And then the second the ball touches him, there's three Rams right there, and yeah, they just smacking. lay him out. Yeah. And he holds onto the ball. He does hold on to the ball. Just lay him out. He looks down and you hear him like something like fuck or something like that. <laughs> and he comes off and he's clearly upset. Like he is not happy and, and he knows. Well, he knows that was his chance. They yep. brought in a, a veteran punt returner from another team. Yep. That was his chance to prove himself and he unfortunately couldn't do it. Yep. Uh, Derek Ross uh, again gets a ton of touches during that. And basically that's the game against the Rams. The Rams. Did they win that or lose that? I, I don't remember. think they actually explain when no, they, they didn't did talk launch. about it. We can talk about it next week. Or whatever. Yeah. So then after that, we start with some cuts. So there's two guys we don't know. Finesi, unfortunately, he gets cut. And he was resigned to it, really. He was <laughs> upset, but he accepted it straight away. Yep. And then we see um, Printers gets cut. It's the QB3, he gets cut. And he doesn't take it well. He doesn't take it well at all. It's the first time on anything I've ever seen someone get cut and challenge it. Yep. He literally challenges it and says, "What? This is ridiculous. Yeah. What could, more could I have done? Like, I feel like I was t- was he, he well, his quote was, I feel like I was turning chicken shit into chicken. Yeah. 
And they said, what could more could I have done? And Ray Farmer says, well, that's exactly it. You needed to turn chicken shit into chicken. So he basically called him chicken shit. Yeah. So he argued it's like, at this point, like, I understand you're passionate, but you're not going to argue your way out of getting cut. It's not like Farmer's going to go, hey, actually, guys, uh, we should make a different choice because Farmer wasn't part of the conversation. This was... Yeah. Farmer's just the guy that does the cutting. And yeah, and don't, for, and don't forget, Farmer did a lot of good things, he says. But also, he fumbled the ball constantly with a center QB exchange. And he wasn't as good as their second-round draft pick, and he wasn't as good as their veteran consistent player. Nope. So then we find out who, who has made it. We're, we're into cuts are basically over, sort of, question mark. So who won out of the DB battle, though, Dan? Because this is what, obviously, all our listeners are waiting for, for the last final DB position. Patterson or Brackenridge? They both got spots. <gasps> they find room for them. <gasps> they both get in, and it's fantastic. They're both very happy. Oh, my God. You mean Paul Rudd lied? He lied to us. He lied to us in episode three, I think it was. He can lie to me all the time, though. Four. And Scipio makes the team. So, yep, Scipio hey. makes the team. Yep. He's very happy, calls his dad, and he says, you know, it looks like I, I, I'm, I've I'm, i gotten it. I'm pretty happy. I'm out of the arena. I'm back into the big show. They then show Larry Johnson how he unwinds. unwinds. Uh, he paints in his living room as well. I'm like, you don't paint in your living room. Anyway, it's not a very good painting. And it Was, was on- it number 53 from the Bengals, was it? It was... Wasn't it Brown? No, it was Bengals, yeah. And it's, it's not great. I don't know who it is. I should probably look it up. <laughs> um, anyway, that's what he does. And he kind of explains it. You know, takes his mind off things. Whatever. You do what you got to do for uh, to, to take your time up and get your mind off things if you're doing that. I, I shouldn't make fun of a guy for having a hobby. Derek Ross, he makes the 53-band team. But they do say that once all everyone else has dropped, like, Derek's on the 53 right now, but should someone better be dropped by a different team, Derek's gone. Because all teams need to sign their 53 roster the same day. Yep. And so once those teams have dropped people, then they look at which te- which players are available that were dropped. Yep. And so basically everybody at this point gets to go home. They don't say who it is, but they find someone better. And so... Farmer calls Ross and he says, I know you're on vacation or something like that, but we're going to go a different direction and we're waving, you. we're waving you. And he says, this isn't how we normally do it, but we're waving you. And I'm like, over the phone, man. And, that is, and he was on the, the cusp the whole time. Yep. And so he would have been so relieved he made the team. Oh, that <laughs> It was rough. Rough as guts. Because they picked up two people in free agency, didn't they? Yep. So they picked up a QB... Uh, Thickman? I don't know who that is. Uh, he was from the Vikings, dropped him, but he was never, never, done never did anything. And, a, and another defensive back, which I'm not sure. I don't remember who it was. Yep. And then they show your boys, Turk McBride and Tank Tyler. Guess what? They're both on the team, obviously, second round pick and third round pick. You pretty much make the team. And not only that, uh, they don't actually say if they're going to be living together, but they go furniture shopping together. So which I is assume cute. maybe. I don't know. They're probably not shopping, living together. But anyway, they go shopping together. And 
They're having a grand old time. They see a picture of Marilyn Monroe and... Uh, they nearly buy a $12.80 plate. Yep, because of the design on it. I thought it was horrible looking Absolutely personally. disgusting. It was so bad. And he's like, oh, no, no, that's okay for a plate. And the Turk goes, Turk's, uh... Eh, that's one plate. It's yeah, one. but the design's nice. I'm like, oh, and Turk just laughs at him. <laughs> and then he sits down, uh, was it... Uh, it was Turk that was in the bean bag. It's like an $800 bean bag. And he can't even get out of it at the end. And he's like... <laughs> Um, You're going to pay $800 and not be able to get out of that beanbag? <laughs> and then they're going through the poster section, the frame poster section, and there's a Lion King one, and they both are going on about how uh, Narla from the Lion King was a pretty hot lion. That's what they reckon. Literally, and one of them says, I always thought she was a pretty hot lion. The other goes, oh my God, I also thought she was a hot, a pretty lion. Like, and literally. Okay. At that point, were they making fun for the cameras or... These blokes actually thought that a animated line was pretty. I mean, we don't judge. No, no judgment at all. 2007 at this point. True. And, and then he does have sleep apnea, so you never know. We've got one more cut. Bobby. Bobby Scipio. No. Your, your cut. He's uh, get put onto the practice squad instead of the active roster. So that call to his dad was only half right. He's still on the Chiefs. He's just on the practice squad. I was devastated. Literally, I, I can't remember watching this ever before when I saw this part and I was actually devastated. I think on my notes, I actually put in capital letters, no. Yeah. We end with uh, Carl Patterson, GM, greeting everyone on the final list and basically wishing them luck. Let's see how the season goes, sort of thing. And basically, I'll just say what the season goes now and then next week we'll do the storylines. Uh, spoiler alerts for the season. They went 4-12. and 12. They did not play well at all. Uh, obviously, they didn't make the playoffs. Basically, that is the 2007 Kansas City Chiefs hard knocks. Yeah, so I guess some of the storylines we're going to look at next week are uh, your man, Boomer Grigsby. We're going to yes. look at Derek Ross and his career, Bobby Scipio, and obviously all the off-field stuff that happened for him. Uh, we're going to look through Tony Gonzalez's career, Jared Allen. Yep. So there's a whole, and Herm Edwards, obviously, as well as the coach, and with Tim Crumery, because I thought he was great. So we're going to look at a couple of those people as well and see how their um, their careers went. Yep. I think that's it. Uh, no end of podcast housekeeping. We've already gone through Patreon. You can find me on Twitter at the Dan Stewart. And Deej, your uh, Deej loves port at Deej loves port uh, on Twitter. And if you like our episode, get on to iTunes and you can rate our episode. Give us a five star rating if yep. that's what you think it is, and a comment. So. And if it's a good enough funny comment, then obviously we'll bring it up during our podcast. Yes, yes, we will. All right, did you have anything to tell them? Get hard, stay hard, my friends. 